It's me, Tanya Khazanov, and you are listening to Human and Holy. Today's episode is a little heart-to-heart chat with me about finding our place, our individual, perfect, homey, I mean, not perfect, but you know what? Yes, let's aim for the sky. Finding our own place, space, home within Torah. All right, so today I want to talk Tanya with you. If you've been here for a while, then you know that the Tanya is my first love. It's the first thing that got me really curious about Tara, about Hasidus, that got me intellectually, spiritually, emotionally, and creatively engaged in my Yiddishkeit. And as far back as seventh grade, when I had a phone chavrasa with a dear counselor from camp, and I was 12. And I was absolutely haunting her every night, calling and saying, hi, it's Tanya. I'm here from my chavrasa. And she was like, oh, I'm out at an event or at my friend's birthday party. Like, can I call you soon? And we would work through the daily portion of the Tanya for quite a few months until she rightfully quit on me. Her camper of like four weeks that literally wouldn't stop the entire year. <laughs> I mean, we did, to be fair, we did agree to set up this reverse. I wasn't just like, hi, it's me. Let's learn Tanya together. We did have a relationship. We did agree to learn the daily Tanya together. We did do it for a while. Shout out to her for indulging that young tween and studying with me and helping me understand some terms that I did not understand and that I don't think she really wanted to explain. It was a great first introduction to Tanya. Definitely all of it went over my head. But for some reason, I have always had a fascination, a creative, spiritual, emotional interest and curiosity about this text, which is literally like the Bible of Chassidus. It's the first work of Chabad Chassidus. Everything that we have after it is based on it. And it's just stunning in so many ways. And I'm not going to take this opportunity to like wax poetic about the beauty of the Tanya, even though I totally could do that. I will, though, quickly dispel a myth about whether or not I'm named after the Tanya because it's probably my most frequently asked question since I'm a very little girl because I grew up Chabad in a Chabad house setting and people were like, oh my God, Tanya, that's so cool. Are you named after the book, like the Safer? So I'm here to tell you that I'm not named after the Safer of Tanya, even though it's quite ironic and beautiful that I do have such a deep and personal connection to it. I'm named after my maternal great-grandmother. Tanya is a Russian name. Picture Tonya, Tonichka, whatever. That's my name. So it's more of like a Ta-O than a Tanya. Very slight discrepancies, but they matter if you're wondering, because (laughs) that's your first proof that I'm not named after the safer of the Tanya. Though, you know what? I'll take it. I'll just pretend. So I was reading over the Hakdama, the Alter Rebbe's introduction to the Tanya, which I could do over and over and over again. 
I just want to note here that I find that my most powerful learning is absolutely done in some of the most basic introductory first chapter of an important work that I learned in ninth grade, that I learned in 10th grade, that I learned hundreds of times. And when I am able to learn them again, recognizing that, yes, I know everything there is to know, quote unquote, absolutely do not, but I technically can explain it to you. I technically know everything there is to know here. And now I get to learn this without trying to decipher what it's saying, without trying to figure it out, but just trying to see it again with fresh eyes. And now that I already know the content, can I understand the heartbeat of this in a new way? Can I understand what else there is here that I may have missed before or that maybe I wasn't ready to hear or that maybe I wasn't in the place in my life to hear. And now that I am new because we always are new and we're always bringing new experiences to the table whenever we're studying Torah. Now that I am new, can I see something fresh here? So I was learning the Akdama of the Tanya and just reading through the Altar of his beautiful wording where he's just really speaking very frankly with the Chassid who's opening up this book and I think to open up the Sefer is to become a chassid of the Alter Rebbe. The interaction that we have with the Alter Rebbe when we read the Tanya is not just like reading an author's book, though I would argue that there is something very personal in general about reading someone's writing. There is that person-to-person interaction where it's like you are the only person that exists in the world interacting with the author's writing in that moment. It's a very intimate experience. You're not in a room with other people. You almost feel like you're sitting there with the author reading their work. That's totally an aside, but I do think that it matters here because I think that you, you or I, let's just stick with I, okay? <laughs> I'm not going to impose my experience on you, but that's an experience that I have when I read the Altrepa's work, which is this, and the reason why I think it's beyond what a general author-reader relationship would be is because the Alter Rebbe really describes it as being a Yechidas, as being this soul-to-soul encounter and interaction that a Rebbe is having with the Chassid. And he says the Alter Rebbe originally wrote the Tanya to replace the Yechidas, the personal one-on-one encounters and meetings that he was having with Chassidim because he no longer had the time and the bandwidth to meet all of the Chassidim. So he began to write down the lessons he had learned. And he said, this is going to attempt to be some type of replacement for that Yechidas. This is not written just by any author. This is someone who has seen your soul, reflected your soul to you, met with so many chassidim, knows the inner workings of your heart. And so I come to you and address you person to person, soul to soul, Rebbe to chassid. So there really is that experience when you're learning the Tanya. So in the introduction to the Tanya, this is not a commercial for learning the Tanya though. Everything I do in my life is a commercial for learning the Tanya. (laughs) Honestly, come to think of it. That is so much more accurate than I realized as it was coming out of my mouth. Like, yes, I want that. I want my entire life to be a commercial for learning Chassidus. Okay, noted. But basically, what I wanted to say is that there was something that was sparked for me when I was reading it that had me thinking about finding our place in Torah. And I'll tell you what it was. The Altar Rebbe talks about how the Torah was given to be interpreted and understood by each individual soul of the Jewish people, which is literally rooted in these books. And the books were written in a way that they pertain to every single person and no one was left behind. And every single person has a place in Torah, but not every person necessarily manages to recognize their individual place in Torah. 
<sighs> and it got me thinking about what it means to find our place in Torah, how we can find our place in Torah, how I have found my place in Torah in the past, how I am refinding it right now, and how we can help each other in finding our individual place in Torah. So let's talk about it. And when we talk about it, I'm obviously not talking about finding your place in Torah and arriving full stop. I think that we have to refind our place in Torah at every season and juncture in our life. Some of our seasons come fast and furious. So depending on where you're holding, you might feel like every six months, there's a new season of my life. And for others, it might be every five years or every time there's a life change or whatever the reason is for that season change in your life that has you feeling like the place in Torah that you had before is no longer it for you. And it's time to find your current place in Torah. And the reason why I think this happens is because as we go through life, obviously, develop new experiences, have new challenges, struggles, gifts, our souls really develop. I think that our souls actually begin to become more raw, at least that's the way that I see it, where we become more deeply connected to who we are, to the essence of who we are, to our soul's voices. And as time goes on, we are looking for a deeper and deeper place within Torah. I am currently at a space in my life where I am searching again, always, but right now it feels like I'm in process more than other times. And there's a lot of factors there, which I won't get into right now because like, I don't feel like it's directly related. But I'm definitely in this process right now. And I think that's why, again, I've read through the Akdama so many times right now. It really hit me and I was like, ooh, I am searching right now for my place in Tyra. I'm searching for my home in Tyra. I'm searching for my space. I'm searching for the connection to Tara that just feels like home. And I think that's what it means to find our place within Torah. And as I'm searching for it, I'm really giving thought to how you actually go about finding that, how to actually go about finding your place in Torah in a way that feels really rooted, really true to who you are, really emistic, really untainted by any other voices in your life, in yourself, in society. And now I know there's a lot of things you could do to explore, to help you find your place in Torah, to understand how much the Torah is speaking the language of your life and the language of your experience and the language of your soul. But today I just want to talk about one that's really, really coming up for me and one that I know has been so pivotal for me and for so many of my peers and so many of my friends and so many people I know and so many people that send feedback from the podcast, which is finding the right teacher. When we are exploring Torah, we need to be guided. The great legacy of Torah study is that we learn by being taught. There's an inner knowing in so many areas of our life, and there's an inner knowing with the Torah too, absolutely. And often when we are learning, we need a teacher who has studied from their teachers and have been guided to understanding the depth of the texts that are in front of them. I had a friend who studied the Tanya particularly, I'm like laughing at myself. I won't stop talking about the Tanya. I'm talking about all areas of Torah, but right now what comes to mind for me is this friend talking about the Tanya because 
in the Chabad circles, and I think beyond the Chabad circles too, there's all this hype around the Tanya where people are like, the Tanya is amazing. The Tanya changed my life. And if you've studied the Tanya before and didn't feel the magic at all, you're kind of like, what am I missing? Like, what is everyone in on that I really don't get? And especially if you've already studied it and didn't connect with it, it could be doubly confusing, which is like, was I there? Did I miss something? Was there something said that I didn't understand? So this friend grew up going to Chabad school. She studied Tanya for years. And it wasn't until she was 30 years old and began studying Tanya with a teacher who spoke the language of her soul that she began to see herself and her life and her experience and her process and God and Torah and all the pieces coming together within the Tanya that she was studying. And the Tanya came to life for her when she found the right teacher. And this is not uncommon. And so when I talk about finding my place in Torah, I really look for finding my teachers, finding the teachers that speak the language of my soul. And I'll tell you why. One, all translation is interpretation. So even if someone is literally just translating Hebrew text for me, even if they're just giving over a class where they are translating and they don't add any of their own anecdotes, they don't add any more perspective, they don't add any more context, which they always do, of course. But even if they are just doing that, translating the text for me, that act is an act of interpretation. And they bring all the Torah study that they've learned before. They bring all of their life experience. They bring all of their understanding of the power of language. And they bring all of that to the table when they translate for me. And that's why you may hear someone translate a sicha of the Rebbe and you're like, ouch. Or you may hear someone translate the Chumash and you're like, what? Or you may hear someone translate any passage of Torah and it may really contradict the way that you understand the text. And the reason is, is because there are many ways to translate common words in the text just for starters, some words in Hebrew are translated to words that are like equally as meaningless in English. So one, just someone being able to translate Hebrew words into words that you can understand because they're words that they use. So one is finding someone who can translate into pedestrian language for you. One is finding someone who interprets the text that they read in a language that you can relate to, in a language that speaks the language of your soul. And another thing is just that we are all coming from entirely different places. One, the source of our soul is different. So if we take it all the way back to the top, take it all the way back to creation, the source of your soul is different than another person, which is why you will not connect to the same teachers. But also your life experiences are so different. You're coming from a different place. You bring different baggage to the table, different gifts to the table when you study. You need a teacher who is speaking to you not some buried nugget of you, but you, fully you, you with all of your experiences, you with all of your baggage, you with all of your stuff, you with all of your struggles. Maybe you need a teacher who could hold space for your emotions when you study something. Maybe you need a teacher who could bring a lot of logical background to what they're teaching. Maybe you need a, a teacher who could bring a lot of emotional wisdom to what they're teaching. Each of us needs a completely different teacher. And I have learned in my own life, and I've seen this magic in so many other people. When you find the right teachers to teach you Torah, the Torah opens up for you. What felt like a closed gate becomes this ever-expanding hallway that you can walk through forever. And obviously our teachers will evolve throughout our lives as we do. 
But even if it's for a season, even if it's for 10 years, even if it's for wherever you are right now, find a teacher that speaks the language of your soul. If you feel like you do not have a place in Torah, And I don't want to expound too much on what it means to have a place in Torah because I think that the open-endedness of what that means to you is important and is something that I want to preserve. Finding my place in Torah has meant different things for me throughout the years. Right now, I'm looking for a place in Torah that feels like home. And if you aren't sure where to find these magical unicorn teachers that I speak of, I'm just kidding. There are thousands. There are thousands of incredible teachers online. Torah has never been more accessible than it is right now. And an amazing trick that I have for you, little life hack, ready? On how to find the best Torah teachers on the internet is this. You hear someone talking about their Yiddish guide and you're vibing. You hear someone sharing about something they studied and it's talking to your soul. Ask them who their teachers are. Go to the root of it. And I stole this from somewhere and have no idea where, which said the best way to learn is to read books and then to look up who that author is reading. So you read a book in medicine and then you find out who that author, who that scholar learned from. So here we look around us at people who are living their most vibrant, authentic Jewish lives. And we say, who are you studying from? Who are your teachers? Because our teachers have teachers and our teachers' teachers also have teachers. And we are absorbing all of that wisdom from generations into our systems when we study from our teachers. So ask people that you connect to in their Torah learning, in their Yiddishkeit, who their teachers are. And then track down those teachers, find their books, find their classes on the internet and start there. First of all, there's a never ending path to trace down so you can learn forever and you could get to the heart of the Torah that is speaking to your soul. And I'm going to end off by sharing the altar of his words in the Akdama. When after suggesting that the student of the Tanya should find scholars to help them understand the altar of his wisdom, to help them understand the practicalities of it, to help them understand how it's relevant to their lives, right? All of what we're looking for when we're looking for our place in Torah, its relevance in our lives, in our worlds, in our life's experience. The altar of then points his voice to the scholars and says to you, I beseech you, I urge you, I request to be forthcoming with your advice and with your teaching, do not place a hand upon your mouth to act with false humility and modesty. (gasps) And the altar talks about the bitter punishment for anyone who withholds spiritual sustenance and also, of course, the great reward for those who share it, for those who are generous with any wisdom that they have, any understanding of Torah that they have. For when a scholar assists a reader in understanding the Tanya, Hashem will shine his face upon both of you. The light of the king's face, of God's face, which is life, will be upon you. And the altar of just showers the scholar with blessing for sharing his or her understanding of the Torah that they learn. And so I can't end off a conversation about finding our place in Torah, about finding the teachers that speak the language of our soul 
without also reminding us that we are the students and we are also the teachers. And so if there has been anything that you have learned on your time on this earth from the Torah, from Hasidus, something that has touched your soul, something that has guided you, something that has been with you, something that you've understood or that has resonated, do not allow false humility and modesty to prevent us from learning from you. The Rebbe has a famous teaching of if you know Olive, teach Olive. And in the context of this conversation, I think it's so important that when we are seeking our own place in Torah, we also recognize that it's our responsibility to help others find their place too. So as we're exploring, as we're finding, as we're picking up pieces along the way that are marinating within us, that are settling into our systems, that are feeling like, oof, I think I found my place in Torah. And by I think I found my place in Torah, I think this piece of Hasidus is talking to my soul. I think this safer, I think this teacher, I think this Hasid, I think this teaching, whatever it is, is doing it for me. Don't be selfish. Don't be modest. Don't say, "Mm, I don't have anything to share. Like I'm not really a scholar. Share that wisdom. Because ultimately, I think finding our place in Torah is also really about sharing our place in Torah. And there's just this symbiotic relationship that we all have with teaching and learning, giving and receiving. And as we look for our own place in Torah, our own place in Chassidus, our own place in God's word, we are also asked to share our place in Torah to make space for everyone within that home that we find for ourselves, not to keep it to ourselves, but to recognize that the Torah equally belongs to all of us. None of us can gatekeep the Torah. None of us own the Torah. We are literally family. We are part of one soul. And everything that we discover within the Torah is not ours for the keeping. It belongs to the collective. So I hope this inspires you to explore a little bit, to be persistent in finding your place in Torah, not to settle if you feel like the Torah hasn't penetrated to that deepest part of who you are, isn't really reaching you where you are right now, but to continue to search and seek and to share whatever you're finding, whatever you have found, whatever you continue to find along your journey. We're all in this together. This is our home. The Torah is our place. Every single soul has a home within Torah. And that's it for today. If you enjoyed today's episode and it sparked something for you, touched your heart or touched a raw nerve or just got you thinking, I want to invite you to keep this godly conversation going. Share the episode with a friend. Tag us on social media with your follow-up thoughts. Let's get the truths of Torah into the atmosphere. The world needs it right now more than ever. You can email us at info at humanandholy.com. Find us on Instagram at humanandholy. And you can sponsor an episode or give in any amount through our site, humanandholy.com slash sponsor. New episodes of the podcast come out every single Sunday morning. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single one. And while you're at it, feel free to leave us a five-star rating. It helps other people find the podcast and it brings us joy. Thanks for listening and we'll talk next week.